The following audio is from the Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Do not go to the lobby right now. Okay, just it's false advertising. I'm sorry about that. Anyways, hey, that starts next week, our series at the movies. Um, I want to welcome back our uh, missions team. We had actually two teams that both went to Panama. There was a construction team and a medical team. And uh, it's kind of cool this year. They gave us a little, uh, I guess, a plaque or award or whatever, just an appreciation thing um, for the work that was done this year. And uh, the medical team saw over, uh, I think it was the number of 680 individuals uh, that that came by and and were checked out and stuff, which is awesome. And the construction team was able to take care of building uh, two classrooms down there, so pretty cool, and then um, we've got another, so they just got back on Sunday night, and we got another team, we're actually leaving uh, on Wednesday night, Thursday morning almost, so anyway, um, but uh, you could pray for us, we're going to be in the Dominican Republic, and I don't know if you've caught the news lately, but um, Dominican Republic and Haiti share an island, and uh, Haiti is in turmoil right now, so um, anyway, we're heading down uh, to Dominican Republic, things should go great, if not, love you guys, just kidding, no, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, probably shouldn't say that at all, <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, let's just pray and we'll go ahead and move on. But, uh, <clears throat> oh, my word. Why do I do stuff like that? Gosh. <clears throat> All right, Lord, uh, thank you for today and Lord, for your goodness. I'm grateful, Lord, to see some of those reports from the medical team and construction team that went down to Panama and just such great work and just serving and, and uh, just a lot of energy spent. And we pray you bless them. And Father, for our team heading down to Dominican Republic here in a few days, that God, you'd surround us and help us to do well, just to serve and to love and to encourage others as we get to be down there. We do pray you'd surround us. And Father, we do pray for Haiti, even as there was that connection that I have with an individual just thinking of what's going on there and some videos that, that, that God, it's, it is turmoil, and we pray you'd surround that government and minister, Lord, to the people that feel uh, just that angst of being slighted. We just pray for you to work in the midst of all that's happening there. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to be in uh, first, John 14 and then 1 Corinthians 4, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 4, my bad, um, today. So I encourage you to, to turn there. If you've got a Bible, we will have it on the screen, obviously, and we'll get to that in a moment. But um, I've mentioned before, when I was 12 years old, um, my mom and, and, and dad were fighting to get along and it was escalating and, you know, um, they're kind of that sense as a kid, like, this is not normal, this is getting, you know, worse and worse. And, and I guess I became aware somehow that they may separate. And one night, you know, being in my room, my dad dad's kind of there at the door. And I remember this. Um, and I remember, you know, saying, dad, don't, don't leave. And he said, I won't. And, um, and that was the last night that my family was ever together under the same roof again. Um, and, and, and I don't say that for pity's sake, but, um, I say that for a certain reason there's, I mentioned I'm going to head to the Dominican Republic here in a few days. And yes, I'm leaving my family, but obviously it's different. And the reason it's different is because I'm coming back. And, and I know you're like, well, okay, did you really, you know, why you got to bring it that way? But um, I hate being gone from my family. My kids hate that I'm leaving. My wife hates that I'm leaving. Um, but, but I am coming back. And Jesus said something that I want to bring up today. This isn't part of a series. This is it's a standalone message. But um, Jesus said, I'm going away. Jesus said the opposite of what my dad said. Jesus said, I'm going away. But he didn't let the conversation end there. In John 14, Jesus said this, do not let your hearts be troubled. He said, believe, you believe in God, believe also in me. 
My, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I bring this up today because in the world that you and I live in, my heart kind of feels like we can get so enveloped in all of what goes on in our world. You watch news channels and and everything's crashing and horrible. And and we have individuals walking through experiences where we try to keep up with a prayer list. I have a little journal thing, a prayer list of things that are going on with people and words like cancer and and divorce and, and, you know, turmoil and drug addiction, all these different things go on. And we're praying for these things. And it feels so much like this world is spinning out of control. It feels so much that, that, that we don't kind of have this sense of, of security in the world that we live in. And I got to be honest, I bring this up today because I'm not sure that we're supposed to. I just got to be blunt. and I want to be honest with you today that in the world that we live in, there's all kinds of things that go on that feel very out of control and that cause turmoil. But what happens is, and what, what's supposed to happen in your heart and in my heart, if we say that we're followers of Christ, is that we're reminded of the truth. We're reminded of the words of Jesus. And I want to bring us back to that, where Jesus says to the disciples, as he's teaching them kind of the last things that he's going to say, and you know he's going to be led to to be crucified, he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. And see, that's a reminder for all of us. It's a reminder for you and for me that, that yes, we're going to experience things that, that in a sense kind of drive us off the rails, that, that send us to places where our mind begins to spin, but Jesus is trying to bring us back on center. Jesus is trying to refocus the disciples, even though moments from this time here, he's going to be led away to be crucified. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Great. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? See, Jesus says this to the disciples 2,000 years ago, but he would say the same thing to you and to me today. He says, and if I go, John 14, 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus said, I'm going, but he said, I'm coming back. What I love when I go away to like Dominican Republic this week, I'll, I'll go at some point and, and we'll do a little bit of shopping and I'll buy some, some gifts. And when I get home, all four of my kids will be like, dad, what did you get us? And it's usually something from the country that identifies that I was in that country and this is for them and they get to put it on their shelf or whatever. But, but they get excited about these little things that, that are gifts when I come back. Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm also sending you a gift gift 
Even before I come back, that gift that that our Heavenly Father sends us is the Holy Spirit that's meant to empower and encourage, to counsel and to refocus us when, when our lives get out of focus, when this world seems out of control, when we feel overwhelmed by the circumstances that we face day in and day out. So he sends us the Holy Spirit and then he reminds us, and I'm coming back for you. See, in Christian theology, this would be called the second coming of Christ. And we believe that just as Jesus went away, he is coming back for us. And that's supposed to give us hope in a world that's out of control. That's good news. Can I hear an amen from anybody? See, Jude writes a very short letter that doesn't have any chapters because it's only one chapter. And in Jude verse 6, he refers to the second coming of Jesus Christ as the great day. And the great day is still coming. Now, we can maybe speed it. It's coming because Jesus says in, in Matthew 24, 14, the, all the world needs to hear the gospel and then the end will come. And that still hasn't happened yet. So maybe we need to get out there and help people hear the good news of Christ. But here's the thing. Even though Jude refers to it as the great day, it will be like any other day. Matthew chapter 24, 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days of the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be grinding at a handmill, two women will be grinding at a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Anybody remember the old song, I wish we'd all been ready? It came out, I think, in the 70s, and they did a remake of it somewhere in the 90s, and my wife hates that song. Man and wife asleep in bed, she hears a noise and turns her head, he's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill, one disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. And my wife's like, I hate that song. And I'm like, it's awesome. Like, can you imagine Jesus says that day will be like any other day. It could be today. Now, we've heard that for 2,000 years, and we're all going, yeah, right. Some of you remember the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. Some of you remember that there have been people out there that say, Jesus is coming back on October 21st. What was that, 2012 or something? And we're all like, yeah, just waiting. I mean, oh, time's up. I'm not here to tell you today that Jesus is coming back today or tomorrow or the next day. All I know is that you're going to wake up and you're going to get ready like you typically would do. And you're going to you know, prepare to go where you need to go and you're going to maybe get in a vehicle and drive somewhere. You're going to go out of your house and walk somewhere and, and everything's going to be going on just like normal. Kids are going to be in school. Or tests will be studied for. Maybe it'll happen during summer. I don't know. All I know is that that day is going to surprise us. Jude calls it the great day, and Jesus says it's going to come like a thief in the night. You don't know when it's going to happen. Jesus continues his warning in Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, keep watch. 
because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Keep watch. Lord, there's going to come a point. And the reason he says keep watch is something I'm going to get to in a moment. Let me, let me fast forward here for a moment. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Not only will that day be a surprise, but that moment will get our attention. First Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command or from heaven with a shout. It's like John in Revelation 1 as he's writing about this future picture that he's seeing and he says when he hears the voice of Jesus, it's like the sound of rushing waters. John says in his gospel, chapter 5, verse 28, do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. And these are words that that we don't hear often in church, that someday Jesus is coming back, and there are cults out there that would say Jesus already came back, and groups that have written all about how Jesus showed up on the eastern side of the USA and and spent time on the eastern seaboard, and, and, and it's false, it's not true, because Jesus hasn't come back yet, but he's coming. And it's a reminder for you and me to hold, to hang our hat on what we call in Christian theology the blessed hope, the return of Jesus Christ. And it says, and and these words seem uh, incredible to try to comprehend in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. Somehow throughout the world, there'll be this moment that Jesus returns that the world will be aware and listen to this, and this one's a tough one to go. What is that? And the dead in Christ will rise first. What that means is in the history of the world, in the 2,000 years of, of Christian history from the cross to today, that all those who died in Christ, although some, again, it's grotesque to think of, are dismembered, are, are dust, are gone, are, are, are finished, will somehow through a miraculous moment come together and rise in Christ. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. The second coming of Jesus Christ includes the word that we would say rapture. We're enraptured, we're caught up with the Lord in the moment that he returns, the dead in Christ will rise, and those of us who are still alive, Paul says, will meet the Lord in the air And a miracle will happen. And then he says this in in verse 18. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. I believe, and, and, and when you understand the context of 1 Thessalonians, it's a reminder, Paul is saying to the church, that in the midst of all that goes on, in the midst of all of our attention being pulled away from our Savior and onto the cares of this world and the stress of, of, of what happens in, in, you know, on news channels and moments that you personally experience that are overwhelming, Paul reminds the church to not take their eyes 
off the prize, to focus on what really matters, that there is no doubt in my mind that you and I in moments are going to feel overwhelmed, are going to feel confused, are going to feel frustrated, are going to go through all kinds of things. None of us is immune to that. But Paul says, don't lose your focus. Be encouraged that God's got this. Everybody say, God's got this. Okay, what that means for you and I, if we're followers of Christ, is that that God's got this whole planet, and, and, and somehow, in the midst of things we could never understand, God's still on the throne. And in the midst of circumstances that you face and that I face, that I go, but I wouldn't do it that way, but I don't like that my prayers aren't being answered, but I don't want to go through this, but I don't enjoy the trial. Even still, the reminder for all of us in Christ is that God's got this. Hold on. Don't give up. We're not guaranteed ease and comfort all the time. But we are guaranteed that God's got this. What I love in these these pictures, and again, I encourage taking notes, Jude says again that that there'll be 10,000 times 10,000 angels that will come at the same time. That will show up at the same time Christ arrives. How many is that, by the way? 10,000 times 10,000. Mark 13, 27 says the angels will be sent by Jesus. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound The dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. For the perishable must close itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. All of mankind in its history will be gathered up. And the end of this world as we know it has come. Second Peter, Peter writes this in Second Peter 3.10, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And the king will sit on his throne and judgment will take place. The great day will come, and we don't know when, but there'll be a loud voice from heaven, there'll be some sort of trumpet called, and the whole world will be aware of this moment. The Bible says that Jesus will be on his throne and judgment begins. And here's the thing. The the, the question lingers out in the air, what have you done with Jesus? Because that's the difference. Going back to what, what Jesus had to say to the disciples when he's explaining, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going away, and and if I was going to prepare a place for you, don't you believe that I would come back and get you? And then Thomas speaks up because he talks about going and, and, and knowing the way. And Thomas says, but Lord, we don't understand the place. How are we supposed to know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Another word in another verse says, I am the door. I am the gate. 
I am the way to heaven. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Saved from what? The penalty of judgment. That the price to be paid for all of our sin was paid for by Jesus. But the point is, what have you done with that? Have you invited Jesus into your life? Lord, forgive me of all of my sin. Lord, come into my life and save me from paying my own price. Be the Lord of my life. That God, I can follow you each day. What, what have we done with Jesus? It's pretty clear as you continue to read about the, the, these, these, these events that will take place that every knee is going to bow and some will do it willingly with anticipation and some will do it fearfully. But it all comes back to what have we done with Jesus Christ? In, in the words of, of an author I've read for a lot of years now, Max Lucado says this, those who accepted him on earth will live with God forever. Revelation 21.3, I heard a voice thunder from the throne, look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. The narrator makes the same point four times in four consecutive phrases. God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. Continuing to read from Lucado, let that sink in. You will see the face of God. You will look into the eyes of the one who is always seen. You will behold the mouth that commands history. And if there is anything more amazing than the moment you see his face, it's the moment that he touches yours. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Revelation 21.4. God will touch your tears. Not flex his muscles or show off his power. Lesser kings would strut their stallions or give a victory speech. Not God. He prefers to run a thumb across your cheek as if to say, there, there, no more tears. Isn't that what a father does? These days on earth can seem so difficult, marred by conflict, saddened by separation. We fight, we pollute, we discriminate and kill. Societies suffer from innumerable fiefdoms, small would-be dynasties. What is this world coming to, we wonder, and God answers a great day. On the great day, all of history will be consummated in Christ. He will assume his position far above every rule, authority, power, and dominion, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Ephesians 1.21 And he, the author of it all, will close the book on this life and open the book to the next and begin to read to us from his unending story. In a message like today, just something that's been on my heart, I share it because, again, we get, a, we get so tangled up in a world that commands our attention. And it's easy to, to, to let our focus wane from what really matters. That whatever circumstance you face, that whatever trial that you go through, 
That, that, that whatever situation that, that seems overwhelming to you, whenever you watch on the news and go, God, what? God, why? God, where are you? The reminder for all of us in your personal circumstances and in mine, as well as in the global scheme of everything that goes on, the reminder for you and for me from God is simply this, God's got this. And we need to be reminded of it, that there's, a com- there's coming a point called the second coming of Christ that can be hard to wrap our heads around, that can seem so far off in the future, or we simply roll our eyes and go, it's been a couple thousand years, how much longer is it gonna be? And we lose our focus. And God simply says, don't let that happen. It's bound to happen. Fight it. It's bound to happen, don't let it. It's bound to happen that there are so many things in our lives that become a mountain that overshadow our ability to hold on to our hope in Christ. And yet Jesus says, don't let it. Fight that with everything in you. I've got this. And someday, you guys, we're going to enjoy it. Someday, we're going to go, here he goes, here we go. And I don't know what it's like. Like, do we jump? Like, do we put our hand? Okay, here we go. I don't know. I don't know when. All I know is these promises are there for us to remember in a world that fights against it. And I just want us to remember that. And and you're here today, and maybe you're in the room going, I don't know where I'm at in this conversation, and I want to make you an offer. I want to tell you something that I believe is absolutely true and is the most important thing that that you and I could ever do, and that's make a decision to invite Jesus into our lives. The Bible says he paid the price for all of your sin and all of my sin, and that's great, but it's not meant to be left out there. It's meant to be invited into our world. Jesus, I believe you paid the price for my sin. I don't have to pay the price myself. God, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of everything I've done wrong? The sins I've committed? God, would you be the Lord that I can live for you each day? If you're in here today and you hear what I'm saying and you're going, you know what? Yeah, I I believe that. I've heard that before. I've invited Jesus in before, but I've, I've done my thing. Or maybe you've never heard it this way or maybe you've never had the invitation given to you personally. I wanna offer you that. I want to tell you that Jesus cares so much for you that he went to the cross for your sin. It's about you inviting Jesus in now. And if you're in here today with every eye opened, every head not bowed, and maybe you want to say, I want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want a fresh start. I want forgiveness for my sins, not by paying my own price, but because Jesus already paid the price. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. You want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I see one, two, anyone else? Three, anyone else? Four, five, six. Anyone else besides those six? I want to invite Jesus in. I'll be forgiven of my sins. Anybody else? If if you're one of those, would you just pray with us? And if you've prayed this prayer before, just just pray along with us. But, But if you raise your hand, just pray with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you for all you've done. 
that you loved me enough to pay the price for my sin. Forgive me for all my sin. Come into my life. Be my savior from my mess. Be my Lord that I can follow you each day. Help me to learn what that means. Help me to live this out, trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give those six people a hand? Because I believe that's the best decision you could ever make. On the communication card, as you walked in, you should have received a program, and inside is the communication card. And it says this on there, Heavenly Father, when my circumstances overshadow your hope, remind me you're coming back. And it's just something that burns in my heart and I've been thinking about for a little while now that, yeah, we have sermon series and certain topics that we take on. And, and this one's a little different today. I mentioned it's a standalone. But it's so easy to become overwhelmed. And it's so easy for our focus to become on all these other things. And I just want to remind us, God's got this. And I realize in our personal lives, we're praying for things. And there's plenty of us in here that go, I've been praying for stuff and God hasn't answered yet. There's others of you, I've been praying for stuff and God did a miracle. I love that, that's awesome. I celebrate with you. But pray for some others that are still looking for that miracle, still looking for that breakthrough. Let's hold out and hold on to that hope that God gives us. He's got this. He's got the world, as we used to sing way back when in Sunday school, in his hands. And he's got each one of our lives in his hands. Let's never forget that in a world that tries to pull us away from remembering God's saying to us, I got this. Father, help us remember. God, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's just that reminder that, that people need in this room. That Lord, our focus sometimes is so much on so many other things. And we have responsibilities and that's part of, oh, I'm an adult now and I got this and I got to remember that, I got to pay that and I got to work over here and earn some of this to help pay that. It, it becomes, we got kids, I got to raise them and talk to them about it. They got to do these chores and we got to be over here at that game. And it's overwhelming sometimes. The day-to-day -day responsibilities and then heap on that, I'm trying to care for people that are going through stuff. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good brother. I want to be a good sister. I want to be a good dad. I, that we feel all of this. And then we turn on the news and that's going wrong and that's a mess and those fires over there and that government and that leader and this situation, those nuclear and this earthquake, all that stuff that I believe as we look at it kind of systematically today, that you got this, that our trust is in you. And I don't know when you're coming back. It'd be really cool if it was right now, Lord. At the same time, God, until then, I pray we would just anticipate, that we would trust, that we would believe you got this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.